Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a special bonus edition of the Forza Napoli Cultural Podcast. This is a podcast devoted to Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for joining us. I'm very excited to introduce our first guest of Season 2. He's a writer for World Football Index, and he's a huge Juventino. Daniel Lucci, welcome to Forza Napoli. Hey, Joel. Thanks for having me on, man. It's, it's a pleasure. Oh, the pleasure is mine. We've been chatting about this for a while now. And, yep. uh, you know, I have to admit, I was a little bit apprehensive about bringing a Juventino on a Napoli podcast. <laughs> but the uh, the one thing I've learned in the short time that I've been doing this is that if you want information about a particular club, the best source is always from the writers and the podcasters and sometimes the fans of that club. And at the moment, there are some interesting connections between Napoli and Juventus, which is your club, and I'll get to that in a moment. But the other reason I wanted to bring you on is because you've written extensively about Italy's national team, and they just played their First Nations League match on Friday, so we'll chat about that a bit at the end. But let's start with Juventus. I want to ask you first about a former Napoli player and arguably one of the most hated Napoli players in the history of the club, and that, of course, is Gonzalo Higuain. He doesn't seem to be part of Juve's future. There are rumors that he could move to MLS. Uh, Inter-Miami seems to be the number one destination right now. So what's the latest on Iguain? And if he does leave, how would you rate his time with Juventus? Um, yeah, like you mentioned, Joel, it looks like he's leaning towards the MLS with Inter-Miami. And like Matuidi did a couple weeks ago, I think that would be probably the best situation for himself for and for Juve. You know, he's getting up there in age. He had a couple decent first year or two with Juve scoring some crucial goals you know he had over 20 goals in his first season with Juve but looks like Pirlo's uh, wants to move on so we'll see where that leads but uh, I think it's probably best you know the time is right for him to leave unfortunately I know you Napoli fans are not a big fan of his move to Juve but 
Uh, we appreciated him, you know, for sure. He put in his work for the first year or two. And then you can tell kind of his game got away from him a little bit. He wasn't as clinical or as fluid as he was once was, especially with Napoli. You know, he had many great seasons there. I'm sure you remember. And, um, you know, unfortunately, every, you know, his age catches up with, with him. And uh, it's probably time for him to move on. Yeah, I think, you know, the, a lot of the hate for Eguin was because of how that transfer happened. But certainly while he was an Alpley player, he was fantastic. And I think he's at an age, as you mentioned, that MLS could be the right place for him. It's kind of that almost retirement league for a lot of uh, Serie A players, uh, for lack of a better term, where they can still have a lot of success and, and be a top player in the league, where perhaps they wouldn't get as much playing time in Serie A. So with Eugene on his way out, there has been a lot of speculation about who his replacement will be. And for a while, it seemed like the primary target was another Napoli player that fans are not too fond of right now. I, w- I wouldn't say we hate him just yet. That's a bit strong. And that's Arkadush Milik. Now, he had reportedly agreed to terms with Juventus about a month ago, but the clubs couldn't reach an agreement. The Laurentiis values Milik at around 40 million euros. And at the beginning of the transfer window, or even before then, he was saying he only wanted cash. Juve were looking to swap players. One option was Christian Romero, but he just joined Atalanta on a two-year loan after spending some time at Genoa. There was also a lot of talk about Federico Bernardeschi uh, being part of the deal, but he didn't seem to want to move to Napoli. And there were the usual issues with Napoli and image rights. So let me pause there and ask you how you felt about the possibility of Milik joining Juve and also about the potential for Bernardeschi to move on. Well, unfortunately, um, I wasn't. I'm still not a big fan of Malik, and I'm sure a few Juve fans will back me on this one. Um, I know he's still in his mid to late twenties, and he probably has a few years, you know, to even get better and has a few more years in him. But from what I've seen, the guy is, you know, and I'm sure you can attest to this that he's frequently injured, and he's missed a few more than a few, you know, easy chances to, to you know, to add to his goal tally over the past year or two. Um, I think if Juve want to be, you know, clinical, more clinical in front of the net um, with, you know, already Ronaldo and Dybala there, I don't think Milik would be the best option to that, even though he's still relatively young. Um, I think there's probably better options, cheaper options, possibly, probably not. But um, he wouldn't, definitely not my first choice. And um, swapping him with Bernardeschi, I might be a little biased, though I'm kind of a Bernardeschi fan. I have been, you know, ever since he joined Juve. I know he has... um, a lot more potential than he shows in many games, but he's the type of player that will, you know, put in lots of work, can cover defensively, can get you up the pitch. Probably, again, is not the most, the greatest finisher, the more clinical, uh, most clinical player, but every team needs that, you know, that hardworking player that can is versatile enough to play, you know, three, four different positions. So I, I like Bernardeschi, and I, I think I think it's a fine decision for him to stay for, you know, another year or two and see where that leads him. So Yeah, it's really... Um... On Milik, definitely injuries were, were a concern. Yeah, I think later on in, in last season and this one, he, he spent a bit less time uh, off the pitch with injuries. Uh, but then, as you mentioned, finishing has also been a concern uh, where he he can be a great finisher, but there are times where he really needs to be more clinical. And that was a problem for Napoli as a whole uh, this past season, that their goals were, were weighed down. Uh, for Bernadeschi, I mean... After the restart, he seemed to to find his stride a bit more. He was used a lot more. Um, so I, I ne- wouldn't necessarily have been too upset with that move, although the 
one challenge we always have is uh, our, our players' wages aren't quite as high as as Juventus players' uh, wages. So that, that might have been a little bit tricky for us. So then after Milik seemed to fall apart, Juventus uh, sort of released him from the, the agreement that they had. And then it seemed that Edin Dzeko was the preferred target. Now, Dzeko is a very different player than Milik. He's just as clinical, probably more clinical than Milik. He's also very good at holding up the ball. And for a big man, he's an excellent passer. But he's 34 years old, which is eight years older than Milik. He also makes about 7.5 million euros a year in salary. So, so that move seemed to be a little bit unusual for Juventus as well. But I want to know, what, what were your thoughts when the rumors were out that Jekyll could be the next striker for Juventus? Um, personally speaking, I think Jekyll's a, a, you know, a great striker. He's been a great striker in Syria for the past few years. He was you know, decent in EPL. Unfortunately, yes, his age is a concern. But all in all, I think he would have been a good option for a year or two. You know, like you said, he's, you know, great aerial abilities, can still put the ball in the net. He'd be a good, you know, target man, a person that can hold up play for Ronaldo and Dybala to get them, you know, involved more. That's the problem with, with Higuain, for sure. He's not that same type of striker. And you can tell that last year he was isolated or Ronaldo and Dybala were isolated at many times. And it was tough for, for Juve to score goals. You know, overall, Jekyll, yeah, he makes, you know, quite a bit of money. But then again, you know, you're paying Higuain probably about the same. You're going to pay Dzeko. So at the end of the day, you're getting probably a better striker and someone who's going to help you out, you know, for the next year or two. But uh, I don't see this move happening. I know he's been tied with Roma for many years. I, I could see him potentially retiring there, you know, after another year or two. And like you said, he's 34. You know, he's he's up there in age. So how many more years does he really have left at the top of his game? So... You know, for a year or two, it would have been a fine addition, but long term, definitely not the answer you're looking for. Yeah, and and that's bad news for for us Napoli fans because really the the only club right now that is linked to Milik is Roma, but that's contingent on them selling Jekyll, and it seems like the only place he could potentially go is to Juve. So if Juventus does not sign Jekyll, then chances are Milik ends up staying at Napoli, which is really bad for us because his contract expires a year from now. Mm-hmm. And, and it's been made pretty clear to Napoli that he has no intentions of staying, um, especially once De Laurenti starts opening his mouth. So, you know, we at the, his value is, is rapidly declining and maybe we'll get a buyer if it starts dropping to the, you know, 25, 20 million mm-hmm. euro mark. Uh, you know, Atletico Madrid was interested at one point. The, the longer it takes, the, the worse the situation is for Napoli. Yeah, I think just to touch on that, I think the burn, like if you if we ended up doing that switch with Bernardeschi, I think you guys would have got the better end of that deal. Um, you know, if you value them both at 40, 40 million, uh, Bernardeschi, you know, doesn't miss, I don't think, nearly as many games as Milik has. But um, for Roma, I could see that even even if they can't get rid of Jekyll, I would see them. I don't see why they wouldn't go for Malik. Jekyll's like we said, he's 34. He can't play every game, every tournament. They need a backup to him. So I guess maybe they don't want to pay the money for him or the wages. But to me, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, you know, it's you're not wrong. I think a lot of the the talk in the papers has been driven by the need to replace Jekyll if he leaves, and therefore they don't need to if he stays. But you're right, even if it could be a wise move just to, to provide some insurance and mm-hmm. have a, you know, a backup plan. Cause as we mentioned, they're, they're pretty far apart in age. 
and Milik is still, you know, he's still only 26. He's in his prime. He hasn't turned out the way we expected, but right. that's not to say he wouldn't do well at, at Roma. Although, you know, at the start of last season, it seemed like everyone on Roma was injuring their knees, and <laughs> that's the the injury that, uh, that Milik has. But I actually think he would be a great fit for that, the way that squad is built. Mm-hmm. So moving on from Jekyll, now it seems that Luis Suarez might become the preferred replacement. I've been seeing this in Italian papers and all over Twitter, but I haven't really seen anything from the more reliable transfer experts like Fabrizio Romano. He's been pretty quiet on it. What's interesting is in mid-August, he pointed out that Suarez was not on Bartomeu's list of untouchable players and suggested a possible return to Ajax. That never seemed to pan out. So Mm -hmm. we'll see... Uh, if Suarez moves to Juventus, it certainly looks like that's what's going to happen. If he does, how would you feel about that? Because he's also another player that's up there in age and is not cheap either. Yeah, uh, he's another one that he's how many more years does he have left in him? You know, Barca probably doesn't want to keep him because he can't play all the time. But for Juve with Ronaldo there, you know, they're both in their mid 30s, maybe another year or two. He's a he's the answer. Um, he can still score, there's no doubt about that, but getting him the service might be a bit of an issue, depending on the formation that Pirlo decides to go with. I think for a year or two, I, I wouldn't say I would prefer Jekyll, but I feel like he probably would have been the more suitable striker, someone, you know, a target man, you know, someone who can hold up the play. Um, Suarez is more the guy, you know, he, he's a typical striker, he wants to score, he's going to do everything he can to score. So, which, which would definitely help us, and, you know, we need goals, there's no doubt about that. So, you know, for a year or two, a, a short-term answer, you know, until Ronaldo leaves, until, you know, the, the team gets a little bit of, you know, youth up top. I think it's a decent option. But then again, you know, they're, they're talking about trying to save money and shed salaries with Kadira and Higuain and Douglas Costa, all those guys. But, you know, you're bringing in Suarez, he's not going to cost, he's not going to come at a cheap cost. So they're kind of going against, the, you know, the whole word of the summer and what they've been trying to do. So if you keep him for too long, that could, you know, we'll have the same situation again in a few years when he when he's trying to when they're trying to get rid of him, right? Yeah, and and it sounds like they're they're missing the boat on on both marks, at least according to the latest rumors. That from what I'm seeing, they're looking at three years, which is far mm-hmm. too long. I would put him at 36 by the end of it, and around 10 million euros in annual salary, which I think is a pay cut for him compared to what he was earning at. Barcelona, but still a, a significant sum, like you mentioned. Yeah, for a club still that's... more than than all the other options they were considering. So exactly. Yeah, it's it's a little concerning because you know at 36, being a number one striker is definitely not going to be easy for them. So unless they have a, another answer, you know, another idea for to bring in someone again next summer, I don't know. Yeah, the problem with that is you, you'd still be paying him though. <laughs> so yeah. it's making yeah. the proposition more expensive. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, obviously, and, and see how that one plays out. I want to pivot now and turn towards the, the manager. And I'll start with yet another person that Napoli fans have come to hate, and that's Maurizio Sarri. So Sarri won the Scudetto, but he got knocked out of the Champions League in the round of 16 and was sacked shortly after that. So I'm curious to know from Juventino how you felt about firing Maurizio Sarri and whether that was the right decision. Um, I think it was unfortunate for him. He may not have had the players he would have liked, you know, especially in the midfield, to, to play the kind of football he likes. 
But I think at the end of the day, it was definitely the right decision. On rare occasions, they showed um, his style of football, how he liked to play, what he was trying to implement. But on far too many occasions, they just looked disorganized. They looked confused. You know, there was no aggression. There's, you know, couldn't string a couple passes together. So it's clear that either, you know, they weren't on the same page or he didn't have, you know, the dressing room, you know, understanding what he wanted. So I think I think it was the right decision. If Pirlo, if Pirlo can be better, we're going to hope. So we'll see how that decision goes out. But I think firing him was something they had to do at that point. Yeah. Do you think this had more to do with some of the sort of off the field, behind the scenes uh, discussions? And you know, I've I've heard stories. There's no, I don't think there's any evidence of it. But that you know, Sadi is obviously not the prototypical. Juventus manager that's sort of clean cut you know mm-hmm. he's out there smoking in his tracksuit and um, pr- he's pretty opinionated with the media and, and you know a couple of times he said things that made you scratch your head and probably think that maybe he shouldn't be saying these things and, you know obviously we'll talk about Pirlo in, in just a minute but you know he definitely fits the Juventus mold a lot better do you think that it, it had anything to do with the off the field stuff because I, I can't blame Sadi too much. You know, he's definitely responsible, but, you know, there's a lot of talk about this during the season that he didn't really have a squad built to play his his style mm-hmm. of, of football. Now, you can either say that's that's the team's fault for not, you know, Paratici or whoever for not giving him the right players, but you can also put that on the manager for saying, well, a manager has to do the best he can with what he has and not not try to force a, a square peg into a round hole. So I'm curious to know, do you think that it, maybe it was a combination of both the on the field and off the field? Or, or what are your thoughts on that? I do. I do think some of the press conferences after the game, you know, it just made you think like, why would you say say something like that? Like I know after, I think one, I think it was a loss to Napoli. Um, you know, I'm happy for Napoli. You know, I was, I'm not Napoli fan, former coach. Like you just lost the game. And, you know, you lost to one of your rivals. You probably shouldn't go out and say that. You know, your fan, the fans and, the, you know, the management probably are not going to like a comment like that. So I just feel like he said maybe not something, uh, not the right thing at the right time. And like you said, I, I do agree um, that the management was partly, partially to blame with, you know, the players that they brought in or not bringing in the right players for him. But then, you know, it, it you can't blame all the coach. You can't blame all it on the players. So. You know, unfortunately, you can't get rid of all, you know, 11 players. So you're, the easy one to get rid of is the coach and try to bring in, you know, a, some, a fresh mind and see if that will make a, a huge difference going into next season. Yeah, we, we know that all too well with what happened with Napoli this year. I mean, I, I'm still a big Ancelotti fan and you can blame Ancelotti, you can blame the players for the whole mutiny situation. I don't think you can really blame, as crazy as De Laurentiis is, he, he always gives us players that we we want or need for the most part but just like with with Juventus you know typically it's the manager that that goes first mm-hmm. so speaking of managers the the replacement for Sari is Andrea Pirlo who got the job only three weeks after getting the Primavera job and he still has to complete his coaching license at Covertano uh, so what are your thoughts on the appointment of Pirlo? Um, I guess skeptical, uh, you know, I'm optimistic, but I'm also skeptical. Um, you know, like you said, he's, he's the typical, you know, Juventini, uh, or the Juve clean cut coach, uh, 
it's going to be interesting to see how he he manages these players. Um, I think he's going to be more of the the coach that's going to allow them, you know, just give you know minor pointers to it to his team. He's not going to go out there and you know tell them to play one way when they're used to playing another way. Um, he's going to hopefully allow them to you know let the creativity of the players do it you know do it themselves instead of telling them to do it one certain way. You know the formation. Who knows how that's going to pan out? I guess it still depends on the transfers coming in and out. It's it's a risky decision, but if it pull, if it turns out to be you know if they do well and they had a good they have a good season, it could you know the the management and Nedved could look like uh, superstars, right? So only time will tell, I guess, how this one turns out. Yeah. Do you think he'll be held to the same standard though? Because obviously, winning so many Scudetti in a row. The, the number one goal for Juventus is to win the Champions League. Do you think if Juventus don't win the Champions League that Pirlo will suffer the same fate that Sadi did? Or you think he'll be given a bit of a longer stick? I do think he'll get he'll get a longer stick. I just I feel like you can't judge him, you know, to a coach or to the same standards of, of a coach, you know, who's been in the league, you know, five, ten years, like Sadi, like Allegri, um, Ancelotti, all those ones, right? So I think, you know, as long as they take home some a trophy or two next season, whether that's Champions League or Coppa Italia, whatever it may be, I think he's pretty much safe for the next year or two. Um, you know, if, if they have a terrible season and, you know, they don't do anything on any three fronts, um, then then we might speaking, you know, it might be a different story. But I think, he you know, he's smart enough. He knows the game enough. He's been around. You know, Syria. He's been around. You know, international players, teams, everything. He knows. He knows what he has to do. You know, what needs to be said, what doesn't really need to be said. I'm just curious to see how he manages to hold his relationships with like the Kalini, Bonucci, Buffon, like all those guys. He's you know played with for years and years. Now he's going to be coaching them. So I'm going to you know to put the friendship aside and to be their coach. You know, first and foremost is going to be interesting to see how he how he deals with that. I think. Yeah, and I think Pirlo is one of those, or was one of those unique players that certainly in the later stages of his career, he was like a coach playing at the same time. So I think he's already earned the respect of those former teammates. And if anything, they'll it'll almost be like a, a group effort in terms of coaching the younger guys. But also you have Ronaldo and, you know, he's another Probably you could put him in that category as well, even though he's got a big ego and he likes to score and he likes his stats, that he can probably fit into that category um, uh, as a coach as well. I actually just stumbled across a a video on Twitter this morning, actually, with uh, Ronaldo playing for Portugal and calling another player to take a penalty shot and Mm -hmm. basically demanding that that player takes the shot. And, you know, so he does, I think, have some of those coach-like qualities despite, you know, his personality. I mean, the other thing is that I don't think Juventus can afford to keep firing coaches every year. Because, you know, <laughs> we talked about the financials. and you know, They're going to be paying Sadi for a little bit, and he might do what Spalletti did and take a vacation while he's getting paid. Hopefully, Pirlo can... I mean, I don't want Juventus to win, but <laughs> <laughs> hopefully he doesn't lose his job either. Yeah, I think, he'll be, I think he'll be okay. I hope, anyways. Yeah, well, I mean, and the other thing is, if the target... Or, you know, the, the goal for Pirlo not to lose his job is one or two trophies, which would be basically Scudetto. And then, you know, obviously, if he wins a Champions League, he's staying. But mm-hmm. Scudetto and maybe Coppa Italia, then that should keep him there as well. And 
a part of me feels like the club's mentality was pretty similar to what, what most fans of football outside of Sedia and even a lot of football fans uh, of Sedia that their grandmother can win the Scudetto with Juventus because it seems like it doesn't really matter who's coaching the club. Maybe that's that's part of the thinking here that they've, you know, it's a it's a dangerous mentality to have to just assume right. you can win the Scudetto, but I wonder if that's at play here too. Mm-hmm. So the last question I'll ask you about Juventus before we move on to the Nazionale is, given the coaching change with Pirlo, do you think that Juve still win a 10th Scudetto? Ooh. Uh, I don't want to jinx it, but I, you know, I, I'm hoping so. I think I hope they're not done in the transfer in the transfer market yet. I think if they bring in another piece or two, it'll it'll go a long way. But I want to say yes, just because uh, I Napoli has had a, a pretty decent transfer market so far. I haven't really been impressed with Inter's, you know, bringing in all these like we said these veteran guys. But I think if Pirlo can get, you know, the, the right style, the right playing out of the players he has now, and if they can bring in on the, maybe on the cheaper end another one or two players just for some depth, because I know our defense still needs some work, I think it's very possible that they, they should be able to do it again. You know, then again, you still have you still have Dybala and Ronaldo still there. So, you know, the goals will come if, you know, they're given the ball and they're given the opportunities. So I'm going to say I hope, I hope they do. And I know you don't just totally agree with that, but I could see them doing it again you know, without jinxing them. <laughs> you know, it's, I actually, I don't disagree. I, I think you you took some of the words out of my mouth that I think a lot of people are focusing on Pirlo and his lack of uh, managerial experience, and they're forgetting that this is essentially the same squad that just won the Scudetto. So if they did it once with those players, yeah, some of them are a year older and, you know, Chiellini and Bonucci, but like you mentioned, they still have Ronaldo and Dybala who pretty much carried the team, at least in terms of goal scoring. They sold Matuidi, which is probably not a huge loss. They We also forget, because it was so long ago now, but they added Kulusevsky, who's a huge pickup. They swapped Pjanic for Artur, which we'll see how that turns out. But the way Pjanic was last year, you can't really see that being much of a downgrade, really. Absolutely. Um, they signed Weston McKenney from Schalke, which, again, we'll see how, how he does in, in Serie A. But... In many ways, this team has improved. We mentioned Bernardeschi and how he played after the restart. Rabiot looked way better and probably like the player Juve thought they bought mm-hmm. after the restart as well. So in my mind, I actually think that Juventus are still the, the team to beat. Yes, other teams have, have improved and it, it might be more competitive, but I think I still have to put them as the favorites. I think yeah. uh, Pirlo can, you know, will be, you know, being a former midfielder, obviously, I think he'll be able to get the most out of the midfield he has now even though it may not be, you know, the best midfielder in Syria, but uh, sorry, the best midfield in Syria, I should say. Um, but I think, you know, some of these young players, the young midfielders will be able to learn a lot from him and, you know, how he, you know, his vision and his, you know, the way he saw the game and how they can maybe interpret and help that, you know, help implement that into their game to make, you know, hopefully the overall team make it better. Yeah, that's a great point because that was probably Juventus's biggest weak spot last season right absolutely yeah had all this firepower up front but they didn't have the right support in the midfield so you bring in a, a midfield mastermind to uh, to lead some some of these players especially the younger ones like Bentancur then mm-hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense actually so let's move on to the the national team now uh, I mentioned at the top that you've written quite a bit about the national team you ran a series during the uh, COVID break on Italian legends you mm-hmm. wrote about Del Piero, Pirlo, De Rossi Shirea, Inzaghi, so definitely all listeners need to check those ones out. Italy just played against 
Bosnia and Herzegovina on Friday. So before we get to the match, I'm curious to know what you thought of uh, Mancini's selection of the players. Were there any players that you were surprised to see on the squad or players left off the squad? I mean, it was a pretty big squad, um, but what were your thoughts on the selection? Yeah, overall, he, you know, he called quite a few players. Um, most of them I felt deserved to be there. Uh, do with, you know, in regards to the starting 11, I was, I was okay with the majority of it. The only ones I don't see being starters once Euro comes around or want, you know, the next few matches will be the fullbacks, um, Baragi and Florenzi. Florenzi potentially as a bench player, Baragi, I think we can do better on the left. You know, we have better options there. You know, Cherby deserved to be there. He had a great year. Bonucci, I know many people are, are not big fans of him, but as, you know, he stepped in as the captain with Kalini out. And the only issue I have is, is playing, and I've said this before, playing two left-footed center backs. And the other issues you what Italian uh, right-footed center backs do you really have other than Gianluca Mancini from Roma? Um, off the top of my head, I can't really think of any, because majority of them are all, off, all left-footed. Cellini, Acerbi, Romagnoli, Bastoni, all the top ones are all lefties. So I think that might be Bonucci. Can, I'm, I'm sure we can do better. We just got to find someone who can step in. The midfield, I like Barella. Uh, I've been a bit of fan of his. Uh, Sensi, I do like. I just don't like him playing deeper uh, in the midfield, I think he's better off being more um, open and, and having the, the the option to move forward. I think one of Verratti or Jorginho would have been better more as the, the regista role there. And um, up front, I would like to see Zaniolo starting ahead of Chiesa. I'm sure many would agree with that. Chiesa's kind of had a tough year at Fiorentina, as that whole squad did, really. And um, between... The Bellotti and Immobile, that's kind of a toss-up who's going to be starting that one. Both of them have really not stepped up when it's come to the Azuri, uh, that's for sure. So I guess whoever whoever kind of takes the bull by the horns and, and score finally scores some you know important goals for the Azuri is going to get the start there. But I also think Caputo has a, has a shot if he can really show what he's, what he's capable of. Yeah, and I don't know how much weight we should really put into you know this starting 11 for mm-hmm. a match at this point of the year and... You know, given everything that's happening, there were a couple of players I was surprised to see on the squad, and and a couple of players uh, left off. You mentioned Caputo; I think he was left off, right? Yes, uh, I believe so. And uh, another one was uh, Orsolini. And then, in terms of surprise selections, Cristante is okay. I guess I'm okay with him being part of a 37-man squad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Definitely don't want to see him in the the final 23 or whatever the number is. And Moise Kane was another one that really didn't have uh, much success at Everton, um, and he actually got a few minutes at the end of the match. Um, so, so those are the players. What did you think of of the match as a whole? I wasn't overly impressed, but like you said, you know, this probably won't be the the lineup going forward you know these guys haven't played in months they haven't played together and even longer than that you know they're still building team chemistry trying to get used to how each other play um i they did create a few a few chances it looks like they were a little not on point when it came into the final third and you know hitting shots on target things like that maybe a little weak at the back end on the the bosnia goal but i think you know given some more time some more game time together they'll, they'll figure it out it's really hard to say what you think of this match, you know, the first match in months. So I think the next match tomorrow will be will be a huge test, especially Holland's a, probably a, a, a tougher opponent. And so that'll really show, you know, what this team's made of, I think, even though it's it, it's still early, like, like we mentioned. Yeah, it's, it's funny. For me, I felt like I was watching a Napoli match because... <sighs> 
you know, they they dominated the play, yeah. but they, they didn't really create too many really good scoring opportunities. They had a lot of sort of half chances and, you know, Insignia had a shot that was caught a bit too much of the net. There was one shot, Insignia shot, it looked like it was going wide and Zaniolo did really well to get ahead on it, but missed the target. Um, they got a bit lucky with the deflection on the goal. And of course, the pretty much the only chance that they conceded, they allowed the goal, which that was all very Napoli-esque for me. Uh, but I agree. It's very early. I mean, they, they've had a long time off, uh, at least as far as the national team goes. Uh, a pretty big squad, so we'll see what Mancini does. I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if we see an entirely different squad in, yeah. in the match against the Netherlands. Who knows? Maybe he wants these guys to develop some chemistry and he keeps a similar squad together. So that'll be interesting to watch. So we'll end it there. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much for joining me. Before I let you go, tell the listeners where they can find you. Um, if you go to Twitter, uh, T- Daniel Lucci or Daniele Luch, um on Twitter, uh, follow me, follow back. You know, we can discuss any any football, any calcio you like. You know, I'm, I may be a Juve fan, but I'm a Syria fan overall. So I'm always open to talking regardless of the team. Uh, even Azuri is probably my, my biggest passion for sure. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next match against Holland and, and Euro 21 and of course Serie A starting up in a few weeks. So, you know, Joe, thanks for having me on. It's been a blast and, you know, you're a great host. Now, was, trust me, the pleasure was mine. And, and definitely, as I mentioned, uh, check Daniel's workout at worldfootballindex.com. A lot of great stuff on Juve, on the Azzurri, as you mentioned. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Forza Napoli Calcio podcast. Our next episode will be published probably on Tuesday. So keep an eye out for that. Until then, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli Sempre. Network.